I'm here with my uncle Pete Paris. He is the co-founder of Pagan Watch, one of the groups that are under the umbrella of the Alternative Zero Coalition. How are you doing, Uncle Pete? Doing well. So, can we start out with just like a background on how Pagan Watch came to be? Sure. As as you know, I'm half Chamorro, and I used to live on Guam as a boy. And when I lived there. Um, I mean, I loved living in Guam, but I'd heard something from my aunt about there being islands in the north that were even further north than Saipan, and I was really intrigued by that back then. And I didn't really get a chance to visit. But one day in San Francisco, like 30 years later, I got something in the mail from my brother-in-law, and it was a story about Maupialug's voyage to Saipan. And Maupialug is from the island of Satoal in the Caroline Islands, and he was uh, sailing north, is part of the revival and um, continuation of the Carolinian seafaring tradition. And he was sailing north to Saipan to reconnect with Satoal uh, people who migrated there 200 years ago. So my brother-in-law sent me that story. And when I was reading it, I was really intrigued because they were going to Pagan. And they were talking about Pagan, where there was uh, a community that had been displaced when the volcano erupted in 1981. And a lot of these people in Pagan were Carolinians. There was Chamorros and Carolinians living there. And there was a problem in that the CNMI government had permitted companies to mine Pagan. And um, the people who lived there that were displaced were being told they can't go back to Pagan. The government was not going to allow it. They were going to ban living on Pagan. And I just found that doubly offensive because, first of all, that's people's homes. And second of all, I had just learned that there's islands up there that are inhabitable, and my brain was just running and thinking, wow, this is a place i got to see. These are Chamorro Islands that I didn't even know were a place I could visit and I could stay. So what I did is I contacted a community activist at Sinta Kaipat, and she is from a Pagan family, and she had just finished getting her law degree and had gone back to Saipan and got involved in representing the people from Pagan trying to help them get back. And uh, that was part of the story about Ma Pialug. And so I contacted her and I told her, I'm, I'm the editor, uh, the owner of the Chamorro.com website, and I think I can help you. Because what the government's doing is, I think it's immoral, I think it's really wrong, and nobody knows about it. But if we put it on Chamorro.com, people are going to read about it. And they're probably going to respond the same way I do, saying, what, we have these, these islands up there? I want to go there. No, no, you can't let someone mind that. And so out of that contact with Sinta came a friendship with Sinta and her family that's very deep and productive. We we organized and we fought mining on Pagan for three years and we prevailed. The mining was stopped, the island was saved, the government let people go back, except they still didn't have any money to go back and they could only go there as long as they could afford to be away. And um, that was kind of the status quo for a number of years. And that's how I got started with Pagan and started getting involved in the Pagan community. And fighting that fight, I had an apartment here in, in Saipan. And I would stay here for a month or two at a time and got to know uh, a lot about the community and, and really kind of fell in love with this place. And, and that's why my wife and I moved here about five years ago. And just to be clear, when was the whole uh, mining controversy? That started around 2007. About My involvement was about then. And as I say, it took about three years before all the mining was banned. And, and at that time, I went back to San Francisco and things were quiet for a while. But even then, when I was out here, 
the military had already started making inquiries with the then governor one about the and uh he was he was listening to them and saying yeah maybe maybe you could have some uh ground exercises there but he wasn't going to let them get established and there was no talk about full-scale bombing ranges that actually came later after I left so can you give me like a timeline here of when the military started to approach the governor and then when things actually became a more serious plan so you know the navy's out here they're in guam they're far from home they have been all over the pacific expanding you know they've been destroying islands we know that they they've been using the the region as their playground and they wanted these islands so they approached the governor who uh, didn't give them a firm no and uh, i i think that was about 2007 okay maybe 2008 okay now, things started to happen. The, the Marines were being kicked out of Okinawa because of their behavior. The community was very angry with the U.S. Uh, presence there because of the behavior of the Marines. Uh, there what was, behavior was that? Well, they had the, they had the base. And mm-hmm. first of all, the bases are destructive. Mm-hmm. And really, generally, people don't want bombing ranges in their backyard. We know <laughs> But um, there were incidents of Marine behavior that were very, very offensive, including the gang rape of a 12-year-old girl. Which, when was that? I don't have the dates on the top of my head, but I think that was the trigger. That was when they just said they had enough and they want the Marines out of there. Mm. So the Japanese government decided that they wanted the Marines off of Okinawa as mm-hmm. well. And uh, so the plan was to move, I think at the beginning it was 15,000 and then it was 9,000. Mm-hmm. The, the number you see a lot in the, in the press is 9,000 Marines and their families we're going to leave Okinawa and mm-hmm. they're going to move to Guam. Well, the Guamanians were very excited about that because mm-hmm. the, the Guamanians, and I do not mean the, the Chamorros, I mean the mm-hmm. Guamanians. People live That's on Guam. Difference. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the business community runs the place. Uh, the con- congressional rep, Madeline Berdalio, she's a daughter of a Navy uh, officer. She's always been pro-military, but she traveled to Washington with an entourage of business people to lobby the legislators there and the, and the military to encourage them and welcome them to move the Marines to Guam. And while she was there, she said, and your Marines can train in the Northern Islands. You can <laughs> put the bombing ranges up there. How do you know that she said that? Because in the newspaper. Oh, yeah. wow. And, you know, of course, that's outrageous. She does mm-hmm. not represent the CNMI. She has no business offering our islands up for bombing ranges. Mm-hmm. But that's what she did. And the business mm-hmm. people that are on Guam, some of them are out here. They're interested in money, and they saw this as an opportunity to make money. How do they make money off a military base? On Guam, there is a lot of, of money coming out of the military bases because people have military housing in civilian areas. They're paying rent. Mm-hmm. They, they go to the restaurants. They buy cars. So the military uh, presence in Guam is very profitable for the private sector. There's no question about it. A military base can provide economic uh, benefit to the community where it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that's good for Guam if that's what they want. A lot of the Chamorros are they're now outnumbered, uh, far far outnumbered, and with their the leadership. Chamorros are outnumbered. Oh yeah, Chamorros, Chamorros are way outnumbered in Guam. Okay. So they're a minority in their own land as we are here. And mm-hmm. here we're fourteen thousand with about um, the population about sixty. Mm-hmm. So um, on Guam. Their government is different. It's a colony. The people um, don't have the right to vote for president. And, and in fact, their government is just tolerated. <laughs> they, they have a government which the U.S. could shut down anytime they want to because it has no basis 
in any agreements or in any legislation. There's there's no constitution. Mm-hmm. It's a colonial presence of the United States, which mm-hmm. which is a prize of the Spanish-American War. Mm-hmm. So they do um, have uh, elections, mm-hmm. and you're looking at a place where most people voting are not Chamorro. Mm-hmm. So you got the Chamorros that have land and uh, and are business people. They're pro-military. You have the military themselves. Mm-hmm. You have business people that are not local. They're pro-military. So there's a lot of people who want more military on Guam. Okay, that's Guam's business. It, to me, it breaks my heart because I'm actually a Guamanian, mm-hmm. um, as well as a Saipanese. You know, mm-hmm. grandmother from Saipan, grandfather from Guam. Mm-hmm. But um, and, I, and Guam was a beautiful place until the environment was destroyed um, by naval actions, the snakes and encroachment and the community just growing without control. It's, it's a big environmental disaster. So I feel very, very sorry for what's happening in Guam because uh, the Chamorros were one race mm-hmm. and they were divided by colonialism. Mm-hmm. What happens in Guam and what happens in Saipan is, is important to the Chamorro people regardless of where they live. And we have relatives on Guam, very close relatives, and, rel- and every family on Guam has relatives in Saipan and vice versa. And many of us do. We don't think of the islands as separate. We think of them as one Marianas. Mm-hmm. This is our homeland. We're going through this phase. It's, it's hundreds of years now of being forcibly divided. But it's our homeland. So bombing Chamorro Islands, it's offensive to Chamorros on Guam. Mm-hmm. It's not offensive to the Guamanians in, on the whole because a lot of people on, on Guam think that Saipan's a foreign country. They, mm-hmm. they, it's not the colony Guam is. It's a commonwealth. Mm-hmm. And there's Carolinians living there. The Navy had, thrown, had driven all the Carolinians off Guam years ago. So um, the Carolinians living on, on Saipan speak a different language. Their culture is a little different. And that, that helps uh, feed the perception that Saipan's a very different place from Guam. Mm-hmm. But when you talk to the Chamorros, we know that we're the same people and these are our islands. And we do not want the northern Marianas bombed. So what happened when you found out that that was what the military was planning to do? I started to oppose it. And mm-hmm. I started writing letters and I talked to people. I published things on Chamorro.com. I just worked very hard to raise awareness of this. Um, it's, it's what I could do. When was the information presented to you? When did I find out, really? Yeah. I, it was gradual. Even, yeah. even when I was out here, there was talk. As I, as I said, the Navy was talking to the governor, to Governor mm-hmm. Babauta, about training. The Northern Islands mayor, they were worried about it. Um, so but the they were also started listening. started in like 2007? Around then, I okay. would say. So the Navy, to, to go about doing this, they planned it out. And we know they planned it out because we have access to information that, that shows this was a planned move to get the bombing ranges in place. The administrative record that they had to... Yeah, the administrative record for this case of our opposition to the record of decision that the Navy made to move the Marines to Guam. The uh, Yeah, that the administrative record. So basically you had a hunch starting from 2007, but then when you actually, just to skip ahead, you actually started suing the Navy for not being transparent, and they were forced to hand over their administrative record for the lawsuit you confirmed that they had always been planning to bomb Pagan and Tinian, at least from the early 2000s. Yeah, well, now we have it on paper. The Navy decided to make some moves. They mm-hmm. created a bombing range in the ocean around Guam. It's mm-hmm. called the Merc. Mm-hmm. The Navy created 
a project to create a bombing range authorized area in the ocean around the Marianas. It was half a million square nautical miles. Hmm. And when they had this project, they're required by law to have an environmental impact statement and to have hearings. Mm -hmm. Well, to tell you the truth, when, when you hear something about a Merck and you don't really know what the words stand for and, and there's a lot of jargon going on here, it's really easy to just uh, say, oh, that, I don't know what that is and, and mm -hmm. don't pay attention to it. And that's what was going on. The, mm -hmm. the Navy uses a lot of jargon and they, and they make things very complicated sounding. They don't come right out and tell you, we're going to put a bombing range around your islands. They don't mm -hmm. say that. Mm -hmm. They say, um, we, we have a project and it's for military readiness and uh, it's uh, not on the land, it's mm -hmm. out in the sea. And then they quietly go about having their hearings. No one really was showing up at the hearings in the beginning. Nobody saw the threat. Mm -hmm. They managed to get the Merck approved. So the Merck now, half a million square nautical miles around Guam is authorized for a bombing range. Then they started another project. And the next project is called the MIT. Mm -hmm. It's a pattern. <laughs> it is a pattern. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of complicated. You kind of don't want to go there. That's awfully complicated stuff. And um, you trust the Navy, maybe. Mm -hmm. Most people do. So the MIT, though, turned 500 square nautical miles into 900 and something thousand square nautical miles. The MIT, you mean? The MIT, yeah, the so MIT. So the MIT expanded on the Merck. Yes. The okay. MIT expanded the Merck. They could have come right out on the Merck and said, mm -hmm. we want nearly a million square nautical miles. Mm -hmm. of area to be authorized for us to conduct training under, on, and above the water, including any islands in that area. It including the islands land? in the area. They're authorized to do live tra fire training in all these places, including our islands. But just because they authorize themselves, and that's, that's their approved project, that's what they're spending our money on, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean they get to just bomb anything they want. They still have to get the areas they're going to bomb away from the people. They still have to do that. Okay. But they don't have to get the water away from people. They got that. Mm -hmm. You know, once you get a few miles offshore into the vast ocean, that's Navy territory. And right now, they can invite, and they do, they invite foreign navies and uh, others to train in these areas. They, they bring their ships out there. They fire missiles in the air. They explode um, ordnance underwater. They do live fire explosive weapons testing under the water. They do sonar testing under the water. All this stuff's going on while people are just driving around in their cars, going to McDonald's and Guam, not aware that their islands have been turned into a bombing range. So that's two projects right there I mentioned, the Merck and the MIT. When did those come out again? Uh, I think the Merck was about six years ago, mm -hmm. maybe seven years ago. Mm -hmm. And the MIT was after we got here. That, that It had already gone through all the public hearings, and they made their final record of decision to that approved, they self-approved the MIT, mm -hmm. I would say maybe 2016. Okay. Okay. Now, part of the MIT was something else. In the covenant agreement that created the Commonwealth, where the people of Northern Marianas negotiated to become part of the American family, mm -hmm. there were concessions. The, Na the Department of Defense wanted all of Tinian Island mm -hmm. for a military base, and they wanted Tanapak Harbor, our only harbor for their purposes. In Saipan. Yeah, in Saipan. Mm -hmm. And they wanted the um, island of Noos. Mm -hmm. uh, Noos is called Farallon de Menonitsa, also mm -hmm. known as FDM. That is the nearest northern island. It's, it's north and a little bit east of Saipan. Mm -hmm. And they wanted that for live fire training, and they got it. Mm -hmm. They got 
permission and a lease for some ridiculous amount of money, like $20,000, something ridiculous. They got FDM, or NOOS, for live fire training use. They got the land around Tanapic Harbor reserved for them. American Memorial Park is not a park that the U.S. gave us because they wanted to have a park. It's there to hold that land and keep it from being developed because if the, there is an emergency, if the United States needs to establish military presence because of a threat, they want that harbor, and that mm -hmm. land is being reserved for them. That's what they asked for in the covenant negotiation, and that's what they got. They also asked for the entire island of Tinian, mm -hmm. and the people were really offended that you're going to take this island, which is nearly as big as Saipan, mm -hmm. and you're going to use it for a military base, and we all have to leave. So there were discussions about that, and in the end, the Tinian um, take was two-thirds of the island. Mm -hmm. And the people moved from the top two-thirds down to the bottom third, so the military had control of the top two-thirds. So I'm getting back to the project of the MIT. Mm -hmm. The MIT, which expanded the ocean area to nearly a million square nautical miles. And by the way, a square nautical mile is bigger than in a square, square s a statute, yeah, than, mm -hmm. a, than a land uh, square mile. Mm -hmm. So one of the um, one of the details in the MIT is they're increasing the bombing of FDM to up to 300 percent. Wow! And they are definitely doing it. And it also increased the area around it that they're allowed to destroy accidentally, including mm -hmm. uh, some very rare areas of coral. They're allowed to have some damage in there now as well. And a lot of people don't know this, but the coral reef around FDM is the largest coral reef in Micronesia. Mm -hmm. It's rich with fish. It's a major fishing ground for us. But mm -hmm. we can't go there when the military's training. If you show up with your fishing boat, the um, jets show up. They announce in the paper when they're going to train, mm -hmm. and you're not allowed anywhere near it then. Definitely, you'll be encouraged to leave mm -hmm. with jets. But if you even go there, even when they're not training, there's a very good chance the jets are going to show up to intimidate you to get out of that so area. Are they just like dive bombing these fishes? Yeah, like, exactly. What, what they do, they have the jets. their jets, they have helicopters, and, mm -hmm. and they have targets. And FDM is a long island mm -hmm. with a very narrow waist in the middle. Mm -hmm. And not on the waist, but on the other places, they have actually literally got X's on there. And mm -hmm. they take these big planes and they drop bombs on them. They carpet bomb it. Mm -hmm. They uh, they take the helicopters, they shoot missiles at it, they shoot machine guns at it, and they do this over and over, and they're constantly doing this now. It's just, you just read in the paper, they're almost they're going there every week or every couple of weeks. It's just it's like endless, mm -hmm. and they've done so much damage there that the little piece that connects the two sides is almost gone. And the Navy says, oh, no, we never hit that. Everyone's instructed not to hit that. And yet the sides are crumbling, and it's obviously, it's got no vegetation on it. They're hitting that part. So they're literally bombing the island out of existence. Into two islands. There's yeah. almost two <laughs> islands now. But anyway, we lost an island because of that, and it's directly related to the Navy uh, that making this deal so that they could continue bombing FDM. Mm -hmm. and, and then and you talk to the Navy, and they say, oh, no, our guys are really good. They don't miss their target. Shells and uh, and bombs do not go into the ocean, but our people have looked in Fish and Wildlife. They've looked under the water, and the shells are down there, and they're being things are growing over them. And you better be careful if you drop your anchor around FDM because you might hit some unexploded ordnance. Oh my God! There's a lot of it down there. Well, also, I mean, the whole point 
of target practice is to get better Thank at you. hitting targets. Exactly. <laughs> it's ludicrous to say they're really good. If they're really good, why are they? Why did they have to practice? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, how did they get really good? Mm-hmm. They they have to miss so mm-hmm. they can improve, and it's obvious. It's obvious that they're destroying that island. Now, in the covenant agreement, there is a technical agreement that goes along with uh, with this that describes what the military can do with Farallon de Mendoza, FDM, and they are required to return the island in the condition in which it was given to them. Mm-hmm. How are they going to do that when they bomb the crap out of it? <laughs> it's two islands. It's all almost. gray and dead looking. There's mm-hmm. there's still some green there. Most of the birds are gone, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there used to be bats just flying out of caves there. Just Swarms of birds were, were nesting there and living there, and mm-hmm. and the Navy says, oh, no, that's still going on. It, it doesn't bother them when we bomb it, <laughs> which is ludicrous that a bird is going to sit there on its eggs and, and it's going to say, I'm going to come back here next year. This is great. <laughs> no, you know, they're, they're totally disrupting the migratory birds, and they've totally destroyed huge areas of land, and they've, they've contaminated the water, and they've got live ordnance down there, and, and they're hurting precious coral. They're ruining the biggest reef in Micronesia, and they're taking out protected rare corals. Mm-hmm. It's all by permission from the record of decision, which is part of the MIT. Okay, mm-hmm. so I talked about two. You got the Merc, you got the MIT. Okay, mm-hmm. now that range extends to the boundaries of FSM, Federated States of Micronesia. It goes all the way down almost to Yap. Mm-hmm. It goes over towards uh, Japan, pretty damn close to Japan. It goes to the other side, mm-hmm. towards uh, heading east. And it goes north almost to the northernmost islands. All of us, all this area is now authorized by the Navy for bombing. There are whales that show up on Guam that, that beach themselves. We know this is all over the world. When the military is doing their sonar testing, marine mammals will try to get the hell out of there. This stuff is so damaging, it, it, it ruptures the membranes in their, in, their, yeah, in their heads and their ears bleed. And you've got all these whales and dolphins with bleeding ears, and the Navy says, oh, it's nothing, it's nothing to do with us, but we know. <laughs> you know, if they do the, the, the sonar training in the Indian Ocean, the divers can hear it in California. That's how powerful this stuff is. Okay, that was two, right? Mm-hmm. Then they had another project called the Divert Airfield thing. What a nice name, Divert Airfield. They're just going to divert some plane. Actually, the Divert Airfield plan was to take our airport area around Saipan. Uh, They called it divert, saying, oh, we need this in case there's bad weather in Guam so that our planes have a safe place to land. Mm -hmm. Which, of course, has never been a problem before, but all of a sudden it's a big problem and you need Saipan. That's just, um, it's distraction. You know, it's it's, uh, misdirection. The divert airfield, if you properly named it, should be a training support airport. Mm-hmm. Live fire training support airport. That's what it's for. It's so that they can have the, the planes out there involved in these multinational training maneuvers out in our around our islands and on our islands. Mm-hmm. So that's the third one. Okay. There's another one which is the relocation of the Marines from mm-hmm. Okinawa to Guam. That's another project. Mm-hmm. And a fifth one, which is the CJMT. Mm-hmm. Well, when I showed up. That was when they started on the CJMT. And, and I paid attention when I saw the record of decision for the MIT, and I thought, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Why didn't they stop this? And I realized soon enough that the reason they didn't stop it is because everyone thought it had to do with Guam. And people on Guam, they just don't pay attention. 
and that those who might pay attention benefit from military presence, and they're not going to oppose it. Mm-hmm. So the public hearings... It slipped under the radar. It slipped. It was introduced quietly. Mm-hmm. It was broken into pieces so that nobody would really notice. If the Navy had come in and said, we're going to turn your islands into the world's largest live fire bombing range, and we're going to call our project Marianas Bombing Ranges, <laughs> there would be a whole different public response. But mm-hmm. no, they broke it into five things with acronyms and misdirection names, and, mm-hmm. and there it is. Mm-hmm. Their plan is to make this place into their bombing range. So the CJMT, the last one, that's the worst one of all. The CJMT takes a two-thirds of Tinian that they got in the covenant agreement to make a military base. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in the negotiation, they said, we're going to put a military base there, and you people on Tinian get first crack at the jobs, and your kids get to go to the American schools, and your kids and your families get to go to the hospital. You can even use the movie theater, mm-hmm. and you're going to make a lot of money. And that's why they wanted it, because the people in Tinian said, okay, we'll give up two-thirds of our island. They agreed to do that. But even before the covenant agreement was signed, the U.S. Congress said, no, you're not going to get a military base on Tinian because it's a big waste of money. You already have two perfectly adequate, more than you, as much as you need, covering all your needs on Guam. Why are we going to authorize all the billions of dollars it's going to take to develop another range on Tinian? Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to get it. Well, the military uh, told the local people, well, we still want it because we're still going to try to have a military base here in the future. At some point. Well, that was over 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. They never got a military base there. And at no there. point were they like, well, maybe we'll just turn it into a bombing no. range. No. Yeah. This is new. <laughs> now they're saying, okay, well, we've got this lease, and since you lease it to us, we can do whatever we want with it. And we're going to use it for the world's, for, for the Navy, the Department of Defense's second highest level live fire bombing range. That means amphibious landings. That means tank maneuvers. That means missiles shot from helicopters. Mm-hmm. That means um, howitzers, shelling. Okay. That means hand grenade ranges. That means uh, small arms ranges, machine gun ranges. We're going to do all these things, and not only are we going to do it for our Marines, we're going to invite the Asian allies over to do it too. And we're going to do all this in the top two-thirds of Tinian, and Tinian's only 10 miles long. Mm-hmm. And you people living in the bottom third, are going to hear it, you're going to smell it, you're going to feel it, you're going to drink the water that's been contaminated by everything that got down in the waterlands, you're going to eat food grown in soil that's got all this contaminant from the dust, and and the people in Saipan are going to watch this going from three three miles across the channel, they're going to watch all this going on, and they'll probably smell it and hear it too. So those resorts, now they have a new thing. The, the people that come out there to Micronesia to see a, a quiet Micronesian island get to watch the destruction of an island right in front of them by the US military. Mm-hmm. And that's supposedly not going to have any any, you know, negative impact on tourism too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this is this is what they say. They say we get to do this because we have a lease. Well, let me just ask you a question. Have you ever rented an apartment? Mm-hmm. Have you ever rented a car? Mhm. Okay. The person who leased you or rented the car to you expects you to bring the car back. You don't get to take it to the demolition derby, do you? No. <laughs> and in your apartment, are you allowed to have uh, ridiculous, destructive parties? Are you allowed to burn it to the ground and then give it back? <laughs> no. And this is the same thing with Tinian. They leased it for a particular purpose, and now they're t- saying, no, we're going to destroy it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's unethical. It's actually illegal. And it's, it's unfair. 
and and they're only doing it because they think they can and they think the US is so far away that nobody's going to pay attention and anyway these are just brown people we mm -hmm. do this all over the Pacific and we've been doing it since World War One well, World War two excuse me we've been doing mm -hmm. it since since we talked the Marshallese into leaving their island so we could do some bombing since we told the Marshallese that God wants them to do this since we told the Marshallese that the world is watching and they need you to save the world by just moving off your island so we can do a test. You can move back on to a later. bikini, right? Yeah. yeah, their presence here is racist. There's no question about it. They would not do this around their hometown. Mm -hmm. They'd do it to us because they don't care about us. All they want is their playground. They want to do what they want to do. And we are, I don't even think they think of us as collateral damage. They think of us as irrelevant. And nobody's paying attention in the States. Oh, that's very far away. I don't even know where Saipan is. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to look at the sports page. They're, they're not going to pay attention, and, and you can talk to people. I do this all the time. Where do you live? Saipan. Where's that? Is that like Saigon? Is that part of Japan? You have no idea. And if they do know, they, they associate with World War II, and they don't understand. There are people living here. And these are beautiful islands that have sustained a race of people for 4,000 years. And they're nice people, and they're families. And this is where we live. This is our home. We have our own language. We have our own culture. We have our own history. We're real people, but the U.S. doesn't care, and certainly the Navy doesn't care. So what did you do when you found out that Tinian was basically in the scopes of the Navy and, and Pagan as well, an island that you had already spent a lot of time yeah, trying to preserve? Exactly. I woke Pagan Watch up mm -hmm. because we weren't... Pagan Watch's role was done when we, when, basically, when we stopped the mining. Sort of a reactionary group, right? You come in when there's something to defend. Now, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so, so I started communicating to the people from Pagan Watch, and, and I got together with Sinta, and we started fighting, and we started this making people aware. This was when the CJMT aware. came out. Yes, it okay. was from the CJMT. Now, that's at that point in time, that sounds, uh, no, even before that, um, 20, 2013 is when we came back. And by 2014, I was embroiled in it again. Okay, so had the environmental impact statement been released for the CJMT? They were they were releasing the preliminary environmental impact statement. Oh, okay. Okay, it's called the draft EIS. So the initial stages had begun by right. 2013. Now, at that point, okay, I didn't know anything really about EISs. And I worked at, the, at uh, local fish and wildlife. Mm -hmm. And... There wasn't a whole lot of response to the military's plans. And, and I found myself actually shocked by the lack of interest. The public didn't think there was anything wrong. They're all pro-military. Oh, yeah, the military's good. Our kids are in the military, and you know we trust them. Mm -hmm. um, there was no real opposition because they didn't know what was going on. They didn't understand the nature of the military's projects. What the Navy wanted to do was not positive for the community. It was totally destructive. It wasn't going to bring money. It was going to destroy our natural resources. Well, yeah, because it's not even like a base. Like in Guam, there's this economic side, right, where yeah. there's some sort of positive outcome. But with converting something into a bombing range, yeah. what realistic positive outcome could that have? Yeah, for the there's not. It's the end of Tinian. It yeah. totally is. There's, there's no way you can support a tourist industry there. Um, no one's going to want to go to a bombing range for a vacation. They can't go on to the bombing range to even check where the bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, they can't check those bomb pits anymore because that's in the bombing area. But it's just, it's the end of Tinian. and let's be realistic about it. Nobody's going to live there. They're going to run away. But people didn't 
realize that when the CJMT came? No, because the nature of the approach was to break it down into small pieces and to only talk to one community at a time, mm -hmm. to play it down, mm -hmm. and not let people know the, the cumulative impact of all these plans that together really mean the end of, the, of living in the Marianas. Mm -hmm. It starts with Tinian. Okay? Guam's a wreck. Guam is a disaster, an ecological disaster. And they've already established the marine base there. Mm -hmm. They've already established a new bombing range there. They've cleared land in, in the most, one of our most natural, unspoiled places. Um, they just cleared hundreds of acres mm -hmm. for their, their base and their uh, bombing ranges. But mm -hmm. it's done. And because it's a, a modern colony, they don't really have a way of opposing it. But the CNMI is different. Right, the CNMI has sovereignty. So we have some sovereignty, but Guam did organize. The We Are Guahan people organized and did a great job. They stopped them from having a live fire range in, um, mm -hmm. in Paget. And that is a natural place with a lot of historic relevance to us. And it was through their, their organ, organizing and their fighting it that they got the, the Navy to put their bombing range on their side of the fence and not take new land. Yeah, and I, I, my understanding is the We Are Guahan group really has their work cut out for them because the military just keeps trying to take new land. And, you know, it's been eight years or something. But, yeah. but they started fighting earlier than the Alternative Zero Coalition out here, right? My understanding mm -hmm. was they actually had some ideas and, and helped you guys when you started to mobilize? Yeah, they did. We, we, they were, as I said, these are tomorrows. These mm -hmm. are people who have family in the scene of mine. These are people who consider our islands theirs, mm -hmm. people who are one Marianas minded. Mm -hmm. And uh, they wanted to share their, their um, experience with us. And they came out here to do that. And we had a conference and they spoke and they told us how they, how they organized and they told us what was effective and what wasn't. Mm -hmm. And that was very helpful. Um, Hog and Watch had been organized by then, and Alternative Zero had been organized. And Can I you should talk about how Alternative Zero happened? Yeah, I yeah. should do that. So, Hog and Watch existed. Mm -hmm. Guardians of Gani is a women's-led um, activist group mm -hmm. focused on Pagan. Mm -hmm. Gani means the Northern Islands in Chamorro. Mm -hmm. And the Guardians of Gani were a handful of women who loved that island and wanted to protect it. Mm -hmm. Tinian, Tinian has always had some very, very effective, intelligent, well-organized women who, um, who, who think and who read and who speak out. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be a surprise, because Chamorros are a matriarchal society, but these women are good leaders. Mm -hmm. And they, um, they were fighting for Tinian. That's Actually, the Tinian Women Association. That's the T yeah, Tinian Women Association. But they went out to organize and educate the people of, of Tinian about what was going to happen to them. And they did a good job. And they appealed to us because we were fighting for Pagan. Mm -hmm. And they said, please, don't just talk about Pagan. What about Tinian? And it's kind of a testament to how lost we were. That here we were focusing on Pagan because that was our issue. But there's 3,000 people in Tinian. Mm -hmm. And what was happening to them was existential threat. They, mm -hmm. they wouldn't exist after this. And it took the Tinian women's um, pleading with us to make us pay attention to that. And then we realized, well, no, they are tied together. We have to fight them both. Even the military, even the Navy has said, we need both islands. If we can only have one, it's not going to work. We need both islands. Mm -hmm. So we started to talk. 
And then we realized that everyone's working hard in their own way. We're not organized. We need to we need to organize as a bigger group. And we came up with the Alternative Zero Coalition. And why is it called Alternative Zero? Because when an environmental impact statement is made, it's it's structured in such a way that it looks at the project in terms of alternative ways to achieve the objective of the project. Alternative one, alternative two, alternative three, and the no action alternative. Mm -hmm. In the case of our islands, let's just talk about the CJMT. Alternative one and alternative two and alternative three are almost identical. Mm -hmm. Little differences. The no action alternative is, is pretty summarily uh, summed up as it's, it's not acceptable. Yeah, we could not do it, but then we couldn't achieve all the things we must achieve. So they dismiss the no-action alternative, and they focus mm -hmm. on 1, 2, and 3. But we have a lot of problems with 1, 2, and 3, um, because all of them are destructive. All of them are ways for the military to do what they want to do and what they, in the way they want to do it. There's no difference between the alternatives. Alternatives should be different. They should say, well, where else can you train? Mm -hmm. What about Australia, who's offering a huge, huge thousands and thousands of acres of land where you can do your live fire training. What about all the training facilities in Japan? Mm -hmm. What about the training facilities in the Philippines? Have you looked for other places where the Marines can train? What about taking them to California instead of Guam? Mm -hmm. Why don't you take them to Hawaii instead of Guam? Basically training ranges that have already been laid out, yes. that are in use, mm -hmm. so there's no you're not forced to displace a bunch of people right. from and their these are ancestral all, homeland. Yeah, these are yeah. viable alternatives. Mm -hmm. And some of them make a lot of sense. I mean, here's Australia, a country that we have a long, long time close relationship with. Mm -hmm. And they want us there. Okay, why don't we put the Marines there? Mm -hmm. Why not? And here's another thing. The Marines on Guam doesn't even make any sense because 4,800 or 5,000 Marines on Guam are stranded. There's no way to deploy them quickly. Mm -hmm. And there was a RAND report authorized or paid for, I believe, by the U.S. Congress that looked at the whole relocation of the Marines to Guam. Mm -hmm. And they said, this is stupid. <laughs> they did. They said, this is, just makes no sense. It What's cost, a RAND report? They are a consulting company that looks at military strategies and military activities and tries to get a handle on what the Navy's, what the military's doing mm -hmm. so decision makers can make a, an informed decision. Mm -hmm. They're independent. Mm -hmm. but they're knowledgeable. And what they said is, it's a waste of money. You're going to develop these islands and pour maybe a billion dollars or more into these. Actually, I don't know how much it costs to, mm -hmm. to build the facilities for um, all the different kinds of training that they want to do. But it's substantial, and it will take them years to do that. And, and when they're done, they're going to be training Marines on a tropical island, a Micronesian island, with the Micronesian environment, so they can have a fighting experience so they can go attack a temperate zone area where all the equipment's different, where there's snow, mm -hmm. or possibly a desert area. Mm -hmm. It's a completely different environment. They're going to train them for fighting in Micronesia, and they're not going to be useful. There'll, there'll be some benefit, like dropping bombs on targets, that's helpful, mm -hmm. but a lot of things are different. And so you're going to develop all these things, and you're going to do this for the benefit of training Marines on Guam who cannot be deployed. It doesn't make sense. Don't waste the money. Send them to California, and they have facilities there already paid for, already operational. Put them with the other million and a half people that the military trains in those programs that have been running for years. 
and you will have better trained Marines that can be deployed and are trained in the proper environments for where they're going. And none of the alternatives in the CJMT even considered sending the Marines somewhere else? No, because the Navy's in charge of the CJ of the uh, EIS, mm -hmm. and they've just decided we want the Marianas, so we're not going to put anything except the Marianas, because that's what we want. So you didn't find any of the alternatives acceptable, and the whole plan, the way it was sketched out, didn't make any sense. There are no alternatives. There's only one. It's the Marianas. It's basically Marianas. the same plan. It's the same plan. You look so, at the maps, they just mm -hmm. move things around a little bit. There are really mm -hmm. three alternatives. So you asked me the question, mm -hmm. why are we alternative zero? Mm -hmm. We're not the no action alternative. Mm -hmm. We're also not one, two, and three, which are all destructive. Alternative zero is the use of our land and our water for positive, productive purposes that benefit society. Mm -hmm. It's not destructive. Mm -hmm. It's using the land and the resources wisely. They shouldn't be only used for the military. And what's missing from this is, what about the other uses of the resources? What mm -hmm. about using our land for forestry and for farms? What about using our water for fishing? You know, what about doing aquaculture? What, what about building um, resorts? What, what about you know, all these positive, productive things that we could do that will make our lives better and that will, that will be good, that, that will be making your life richer and, and meaningful? All these things are just ignored by the EIS. So alternative zero is those things, those things. The zero alternative is ours. This is our islands. We've been there for 4,000 years. These islands have sustained us. They've shaped us. They, they are who we are. We are the islands. The islands are us. That's alternative zero. So built into the name alternative zero is this acknowledgement that the islands aren't just this empty thing to be used to destroy. It's, exactly. Yeah, they have their own potential. Right. And that potential has value, and it right. should be used in the right way. Exactly. You're listening to the Alternative Zero Project, which was edited by Jack Doyle and funded in part by the Institute for Journalism and Natural Resources and Marianas Variety. Want the latest news on the Alternative Zero Coalition? You can listen to more episodes on the Marianas Variety website or shoot us an email at alternativezeroproject at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.